In the church's year, we're still actually in the season of Easter. Um, It's a little while after the resurrection, but there's still some time before Jesus will return to his father, leaving behind his friends and his followers to carry on his mission and ministry on earth with the help of his Holy Spirit. And even though two weeks have now passed since we celebrated Easter Sunday, I don't know, does it seem a long time ago? It does to me. Our gospel reading from Luke actually takes us right back to Resurrection Day, to that first day of resurrection and to the various encounters of the risen Jesus with his disciples. And just to recap, two weeks ago we've reflected on Mary's experience of meeting the risen Jesus early on resurrection morning in the garden outside the tomb. And then last week Beth helped us to reflect on the reactions and emotions of Jesus' disciples as they huddled in fear behind locked doors that same evening and then were amazed at Jesus coming to be present with them to reinsure and empower them. And for me, perhaps one of the most intriguing elements of the resurrection story is the extent to which many of those who had known Jesus so well over three years struggled to recognize him when they met him after the resurrection. If we look at the gospel accounts, we know that Mary didn't recognize him straight away in the garden. The disciples were behind locked doors and they took a little while because on the first occasion when this figure suddenly appeared in their midst, the risen Jesus had to show them his hands and his side to convince them of who he was. And on the second occasion, a week later, Thomas needed to actually touch Jesus' wound to be sure for himself. Sometime later, when Peter and the other disciples were fishing on the Sea of Galilee, they failed to recognize the figure standing on the shoreline. And it was only when they followed the person's instruction to cast their fishing nets onto the other side of the boat and hauled in a catch way, way beyond their expectations that they realized, John and Peter at least, that it was Jesus on the shoreline. And as we heard in our reading, on the road from the city of Jerusalem to the village of Emmaus, two disciples walked and talked for several miles without realizing who their companion was. Only when they sat down at the supper table at home and saw their guest give thanks and break bread and share it, did they finally recognize in full the person and presence of Jesus. And for me, all of these accounts suggest there was something radically different about Jesus' resurrection body Though it still bore the scars of crucifixion, Jesus' resurrection body meant that he was not always immediately recognizable, even to those who had known and loved him well. And there's a whole area to explore there. And I think our gospel passage today raises the interesting question of how and where each of us meets and recognizes the person of Jesus in our own lives, and also how we can encourage others to meet and truly encounter him in their lives. For ultimately, 
sharing the gospel or the good news has got to be about introducing individuals and communities to God's redeeming love and mercy. But that can only really happen if we ourselves regularly encounter and recognize Jesus' presence in our own lives. If those encounters are a daily reality for us, then we're able much more effectively to introduce others to the person of Jesus Christ, who better than anyone brings each of us face to face with God. As Jesus said to Philip during his last supper with his disciples, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. I think the account of the road to Emmaus experience offers us some helpful insights into where and how we encounter and come to recognize Jesus. And so that's what I'd like to focus on. And in some ways, I do wonder if the experience of that couple on the road to Emmaus prefigures what will become the experience for all followers of Jesus after he has returned to God his Father at the moment of the ascension. And if you just skip to the end of that chapter, you'll see that's where the ascension is. The account is given at the end of Luke. And that is a moment when Jesus can no longer be physically present with his disciples on earth in the way that he has been for many years. Although he can no longer be physically present, even in his resurrection body, after the ascension, it will be his spirit, the Holy Spirit, who draws individuals towards Jesus. And makes a personal encounter with Jesus possible. So let's look at the Emmaus story to help us reflect on the various ways in which people are drawn towards Jesus so that eventually they might recognize him in full for who he is, the Son of God. And as we do this, you might like to reflect for yourself on the ways in which you find yourself naturally drawn towards encountering God in Jesus. We all have our stylistic preferences, our own spiritualities. Some things come naturally. Other things need to be worked at, like anything else in life. So you might also like to think about some ways that perhaps don't come to you quite so naturally, but which could undoubtedly help you grow in your spiritual life if you were able to discern God's spirit at work in these ways. The first and perhaps most obvious way in which the risen Jesus began to draw these two disciples on the road towards a full recognition of him was simply by joining them, by coming alongside and joining in with their conversation. The Gospel writer tells us that as they walked and talked together on the journey from Jerusalem, Jesus came up and walked along with them. He asked them what they were talking about in verse 17. And he listened patiently while they struggled to find the words to explain recent events 
and the reason behind their downcast faces. In verses 19 to 24. This walking and talking together is a powerful model for encountering God. And it's not a new model. Because Christians in ages past, down the centuries, have always understood the value of making a pilgrimage. In a pilgrimage, it's not necessarily the arrival at a sacred place that's important, but more often the journey on the road, walking together with God and with others sometimes, and engaging together in conversation about things that matter. Walking and talking together allows stories to be told, truths to be heard, experiences and burdens to be shared. Nigel and I recently watched a film called The Way, whose uh, central character is Martin Sheen. If you're a West Wing fan, you'll know all about Martin Sheen. And through the film's simple and often moving narrative... It tells the tale of several fictional characters who decide to travel one of the famous, perhaps the most famous, Pilgrim's Way, the Camino of Santiago de Compostela in northern Spain. And as these characters, who have never met before, walk, sometimes together, sometimes at a distance from one another when they fall out, they begin to talk and share their stories. And they learn not just about one another, but about themselves. The film explains, for me, quite powerfully, something of the value and power of pilgrimage. And I would recommend that you go and watch it, because it has much to teach us. So as you walk to the bus stop or to the school gates, or as you walk through the day from one activity to the next, I wonder if you have a sense of Jesus coming to walk alongside you. I wonder if you ever find yourself drawn into a conversation with him about the things that disturb, or puzzle, or frustrate, or disappoint you just as the disciples on the road to Emmaus did. And if that way of experiencing God's presence would never occur to you, then why not ask God to reveal himself to you in a new way this week? And of course, walking and talking alongside others, whether it's literally or figuratively, is a powerful way we can share the presence of Christ with them. And I do wonder if perhaps one of our outreach activities should be a Camborne Church Ramblers group. A second way in which Jesus drew the two disciples towards himself was through his explanation of the scriptures. Look at verse 27 if you have your Bibles open. As Christians, we believe the Bible to be a library of books that, when taken together, help to reveal the purpose and the presence of God throughout history. And at the heart of this revelation stands the person and work 
of Jesus Christ. All things point to him, and in him all things hold together. But of course, as the disciples on the Emmaus Road realized, it can be one thing to read and know your Bible, and another to understand its meaning and its relevance to us and to our world. And so it's very significant, I think, that as they walked and talked together, Jesus helped unpack the scriptures for his companions, showing how they needed to understand the recent events which had so disturbed them. Hence the background of the Mosaic writings, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, and the prophetic writings of Isaiah and others. They hadn't been able to use the context and place things within it as they experienced them. And it goes without saying that if we don't read and seek to understand the Bible with some degree of frequency, rather than very occasionally, then it's going to be hard for us as Christians to make sense of the world as we encounter it. More importantly, we'll just miss out on the opportunity of meeting Jesus and encountering God through the pages of the Bible. We will miss the chance of seeing how our own life purpose and story fit neatly within God's much bigger story for his creation. And I find it tremendously reassuring that the disciples on the Emmaus Road needed the presence of Jesus to help them open and understand the scriptures. They were not expected to do it all by themselves. And the same is true for us. There are many opportunities in the life of our church when we can experience the scriptures being opened for us, unpacked, if you like, in the way that Jesus did on the Emmaus Road. We have our Sunday services our regular times of prayer and Bible study. We have our weekly house groups, and there's an insert in this week's notices to encourage you to think about joining a house group if that's something you haven't done yet and would like to do. Even though the disciples on the road to Emmaus had still not recognized Jesus with them by this point, they did sense something special about their interaction with this unknown traveling companion things were starting to make sense. They felt uplifted. So much so that they later remarked to one another, were not our hearts burning us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And it's often the case that when we begin to walk alongside those who don't know God and when we begin to engage in conversation with them and when eventually we perhaps begin to start looking at the scriptures with them one of the responses is often I can see how this makes sense to me John do you want me to stop
so it's important, isn't it, that we are able to know the scriptures and understand them for ourselves in order to walk alongside others. And I suppose when I look at the verse 32 where the disciples on the Emmaus Road said, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? I ask myself, is that the way I feel when I read and reflect on the scriptures? And if not, why not? Is that the way you feel? And could it be that you need to ask for the help of God's spirit in this area or to perhaps join with others for encouragement and enlightenment? Walking and talking along, uh, talking together along the road of our life journey, opening the scriptures together to discern the person and purpose of Jesus Christ, both of these were, and they still are, important contexts for meeting and encountering God. But in the end, it was fellowship in the home. And the blessing, breaking, and sharing of the bread that ultimately opened the disciples' eyes and hearts to fully recognize the presence of Jesus with them. And perhaps this speaks to us of the central importance of hospitality and fellowship in our own encounters with Jesus and in the drawing of others to God. For we know from our own experience how much we value being invited into people's homes to share a meal or a cup of coffee. And as Christians, we also know that we are unworthy recipients of God's invitation and hospitality. A gift of love and mercy as extravagant and costly as the welcome home that was lavished by the father on the prodigal son. It's good that we are reminded of that extravagant welcome and hospitality when we come together to share the Lord's Supper, as we will do next week. But beyond that, the welcome and the hospitality that we offer as a church in all sorts of different ways may well be what will ultimately draw others towards Jesus so that they too will come to recognize him as Savior and Lord. So that they too will come to know and love him as he loves them. And because our ministry of welcome is such an important area of our church life, we're going to be focusing quite a lot of attention on it over the coming weeks and months. So just to conclude, throughout Jesus' earthly life, the greatest thing that could happen to an individual was that they had an opportunity to meet and encounter the person of Jesus in all its fullness. This was true right from Jesus' birth as a baby in Bethlehem, when shepherds and wise men encountered the Son of God in a small child. It was true throughout Jesus' adult life as a stream of fishermen and tax collectors, widows and Roman soldiers, religious leaders and prostitutes, and even children, encountered Jesus and experienced lives transformed. And it was even true at Jesus' death, 
when a thief on a neighboring cross encountered Jesus and recognized him to the extent that Jesus promised the thief would be with him that day in paradise. The mission of Jesus hasn't changed. It remains the same today as it was during his earthly life and after his death and resurrection. That mission is to draw all people to himself, that they might know the earthly love and mercy of God and have lives transformed by his presence and power. And it's a mission Jesus calls us to continue in our own time and place here today. So my questions I leave you with for this week are those on the screen. You might like to read them and take them away with you in your hearts and minds. Amen.